Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. All right, listeners, thank you for joining us uh, today. Again, um, we talk about a wide variety of topics here on Exit Coach Radio, uh, and we've had we've had over a thousand guests. Uh, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Look for ExitCoachRadio.com. My next guest, Jim Mosquera. Jim's a financial consultant, author, speaker, telecom and tech executive, and uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about blockchain. So, Jim, give us a little uh, background, help our listeners understand a little bit about you and your background. Uh, my company, Sentinel Consulting, is uh, a boutique finance firm. We primarily work with uh, small to mid-sized companies, uh, providing alternative sources of finance for them. Also work with uh, real estate investors um, if they can't obtain financing from commercial banks uh, were another source, uh, not only for customers of ours, but we're actually good customers for commercial banks that that need to move credits off their books. Uh, Also do consumer financing. So if a business wants to offer financing to their customers, we've got some plans for that. And then debt restructuring would be something a little bit more involved where a company's struggling with debts. Uh, They may not be uh, facing civil litigation. Uh, They may be on the cusp of that. And we try to help them with uh, some debt restructuring there and having some other discussions to, to help them improve their capital structure so they you know they can live to fight another day so you know financing is the lifeblood of a, of a small business or any business so you you help in a lot of those different areas and it sounds like you're a great resource for your clients and customers um, let's talk about the topic of the day and that that title is blockchain is coming to the economy um, what do you see happening let's talk about let's, let's start with for our listeners let's help them out what is a blockchain let's start with that question yeah, and probably a good place to start, Bill, I think on this is to kind of turn the clock back to about two years ago, 2017. I remember uh, during the late summer, fall, and into the early winter of 2017, uh, everybody was talking about something called Bitcoin. And there were I mean, it was anecdotal and not so anecdotal stories of people kind of piling in. It was the, it was, it was really a, a gold rush. I think is, is the best way to describe modern day gold rush. Uh, it was parallel to a lot of the euphoria that you still see in in the equity markets and even in the bond markets. And it wasn't surprising to me that you had this big rush into this new investment vehicle called Bitcoin. And I wrote a couple of articles about it. Uh, one I wrote in August of 2017, so about two years ago. And then I wrote a very cautionary tale in mid-December of 2017, and it ended up being about two or three days of the all-time top as it stands today in the uh, in the Bitcoin market. And the thing that I think don't think people understood about it was is what exactly Bitcoin was, and it is basically uh, something that is built upon what you mentioned earlier in the title of the show, which is the blockchain. And the blockchain 
the best way to explain it is, you know, if you think of a database that any company would have, and, and a database is essentially a series of, of fields and records, and, and fields could be something like uh, date of birth, height, weight, uh, social security number, you know, different forms of information. And then the record would be, well, here's Bill's information for all of those fields, here's Jim's information, and then Joe Smith, and so on. And okay. what, what has happened... Uh, yeah, what is what has happened? I think that has kind of captivated the, the public's attention on that was Bitcoin, and it's a currency that was essentially built on a blockchain like that, and and the blockchain then becomes uh, a database, a digital ledger of sorts. The expression of that blockchain, I think, is where we really need to draw the distinction because some blockchains are what are considered private. So if you imagine if you're a company and you have this database of all this proprietary information, uh, let's just use Equifax as an example because that was a very uh, famous hack that occurred not that long ago. Equifax has a lot of information. They have this database that I mentioned. Um, that database is centralized. So you have all these records in a central location and the, the people that are involved in cybersecurity in the United States right now uh, are working feverishly to protect businesses from the next Equifax type event. Um, a blockchain that's decentralized doesn't work that way. Uh, it works by having that database, if you will, uh, in a lot of different uh, physical devices, if you will, or out in the internet, if you, if you will. And I think that's important because from a security perspective, that decentralized model is, let's just say, in some respects, a model of the future because we know that we've had a lot of problems, you know, trying to protect uh, data and the whole data security issue, as, again, as is expressed by Equifax. Um, so if you think of a blockchain, blockchain, uh, think about it as a database or, a, in this case, a digital ledger that can exist either privately, you know, within a, a consortium of companies, if you will, or more publicly, like Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a public uh, a public blockchain. Uh, no one has to ask permission to be part of it. And it records all of these activities that are occurred, which is, again, the transferring of value, the transferring of Bitcoin among the different participants through validated transactions that occur through mathematical operations. And another important thing is it's immutable. Nobody can go in there. If you think about some of these ransomware attacks that have occurred where somebody goes in and says, all right, we've locked up your database or maybe we've changed some records, you can't do that to the Bitcoin blockchain. It's an immutable record. It cannot be changed. Um, and if someone tries to change it, the, the economics uh, behind doing that just really aren't, uh, aren't fruitful in, in any way, shape, or form. Interesting. So uh, when uh, somebody described it to me one time to try to really simplify it for me and said, you know, when, when you get um, records that UPS has your package in Atlanta, now it's been shipped to um, Salt Lake City, and now it's been shipped to uh, Anaheim, and now it's on a truck on its way to you. In a way, that's a blockchain type of a transaction. It's tracking the movement of something, uh, and it, once, it's, once it's locked up, it can't be changed. Is that, is that a fair explanation? Yeah, I mean that, that, that's yeah, that's a, that's a good explanation in the sense that you know you would have UPS or another shipping company that would have a record, if you will, and it could be a digital record that would be you know Jim Mascara shipping a package to Bill Black. You know, let's say I'm shipping one of my books that I wrote, and then I use UPS for that, and then. Uh, UPS has these different fields that they mark. Okay, where you know when was it picked up? Who picked it up? You know what sorting center did it go to? Did it get on a plane? All of those different things. When did it got uh, got delivered to Bill Black? And all all that would comprise one record, and and that's essentially yes. what they do today. So it, it's it's that is a is a good representation of a blockchain. And I'm glad you brought that up because 
oftentimes when in today's environment, even most recently, when somebody uses the word blockchain, and I actually use this example, Bill, in a, in a talk I gave a couple of months ago, that there was a company that um, I think they were publicly listed, and all of a sudden they added the name blockchain to their, their company name, and their stock price went up because everybody was you know very euphoric. Oh, they're doing something with blockchain. Well, that's great, you know, but if it's really nothing more than just a database, then you really haven't added a lot of You've added some value, but the true value of some of these blockchains are really become more, are they public, um, you know, not centralized, are they immutable, you know, who can join, is it private, um, that, that sort of thing. Right. So how will blockchain show up to the, to the, you know, the general business owner out there and how will it impact the existing business models and the economy? Well, what I will tell you, where we've seen the most impact for blockchain right now, um, and, I'll, and I'll use the Bitcoin blockchain, and, and if I refer to the Bitcoin blockchain throughout this discussion, it's because that is um, I mean, arguably the best blockchain. Uh, it is one that is 10 years old. I believe it started in 2009. Um, but the biggest impacts right now have not necessarily been in the United States. They've been overseas, and I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, imagine that you know you live in a country, and your country's money or your currency is not the U.S. dollar, and it's something else. And let's say that that currency is being devalued for whatever reason. You know, things that your government's doing, uh, international sanctions, all kinds of things. And if you're a person that's in that country and you want to have some store of value, if you will for the money, your money unit currency, um, one of the things that's happened is people have exchanged their domestic local currency for Bitcoin. And when their currency crashes, they still have some value because it exists that value exists on the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, another one is what happens uh, in this country, we don't really can't identify this with us as much, but there are still people even in the United States that are not bankable. They don't have bank accounts. And I know that sounds strange probably for some of your listening audience, but you know, if you can't produce suitable identification, especially in these days, you know, where you have, you know, know your customer and anti money laundering rules, um, you can't get a bank account. Uh, in other mm -hmm. countries, the same way, they can't. You can't if you can't produce good identification, you can't have a bank account. So, what do you do with people that are unbanked? That's another pool of, of, of users that have already, again, successfully used. If, if they were in some of these countries, where, again, where their currency was crashing, or they just needed a way to send payment to somebody, uh, that's another uh, practical use case for that. Today, in the United States, uh, can I go down to my Starbucks and say, "Oh, I'm." I'm not going to pay you in a U.S. dollar. I'm going to pay you in, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, or something like that. No, you can't do that yet. Um, you can, and I did this a couple of years ago. You can go to a store called uh, Overstock.com, which is on the web, and they were accepting Bitcoin, and they were, you know, one of the merchants that did. And there are more merchants that accept uh, Bitcoin you know, from the perspective of online, you know, e-commerce, uh, from a retail commerce perspective, it's not there yet. Uh, and what I suspect that, you know, over the course of time, whenever you see uh, more of a, of a normalization, if you will, less of a fluctuation in the value of some of these cryptocurrencies, again, relative to the dollar, <clears throat> uh, you will probably see uh, a greater adoption of that based on, you know, that, okay, more people are going to have this in their digital wallets or however they store them, and they might use them to, to, to make those sort of, you know, retail purchases. Uh, it's not there yet. Uh, I would say that more of the impacts um, you will see with blockchain that you're 
or actually you're seeing right now are probably with larger companies that are doing those private blockchains that I mentioned earlier, which is, you know, you, you have a consortium of companies that uh, put together a, a blockchain and they're, you know, it may be some sort of a supply chain that exists within a, you know, within a tight number of companies. And that's how they're circulating information. Um, it may be immutable, right? No, nothing can be changed. Um, and that works for them. But, you know, these large public blockchains, uh, the ones that you're seeing right now are in, you know, s- some of the cryptocurrencies. Um, another area where you're seeing blockchain development, uh, where it's come into the fold uh, most recently, is there what are called, we're talking about financing for businesses, uh, initial coin offerings and initial token offerings. And what is that? Uh, when companies need to raise capital, you know, traditionally, if they were large enough and they could raise capital on the big stock exchanges, okay, that's one avenue. Uh, the 2012 Jobs Act allowed um, smaller crowdfunding efforts where you can raise capital. Uh, this was another vehicle for that where uh, companies could raise um capital, if you will, through what's called initial coin offerings, uh, which is basically, you know, buying some, you, you provide this company some cryptocurrency, and then they could have that money as capital to do with what they will. So I would say right now, um, if this is a nine inning baseball game, uh, from a retail perspective, uh, and th- those sort of impacts, you're probably in the first inning. Some of the other things, you know, you're probably much further along second or third inning. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. So for companies that, for instance, they manufacture in China or Vietnam or other other countries, and then they they sell all over the world, so they have transactions going on in multiple currencies currently, um, w- at what point will we see those companies um, more and more um, or, or dominantly dealing in, in Bitcoin types of transactions? And and that I think is is what I think I had mentioned to you when we when we did the pre-show notes that that that's where the political question comes in, which is right. you know okay. currencies currencies that we as we use you know U.S. dollar British pound et cetera you know those are those are flag currencies they belong to a country, and you know for the most part large companies large corporations today and probably in the near future aren't going to be dealing in any uh, any currencies other than that than those i should say what you are seeing is you're you're going to see the development of digital cryptocurrencies if you will that may be or call maybe flag money so in the future you might see like the chinese yuan that is there's a digital cryptocurrency version of that and it might it might be used as a medium of exchange especially if those currencies then are tied to something else like you know a, a physical currency maybe a basket of commodities that might include gold and silver and so forth so uh, there's a lot a lot of things that can happen uh, that probably will happen geopolitically especially depending on how we move and progress through the next you know, financial crisis that will occur after our next recession and other things that are occurring along the, around the world today. You know, we, we, the thing that people identify the most with kind of geopolitical conflict right now, they'll hear about Iran and the, in the nuclear program. They'll hear about China and the trade wars and so forth. All of those things will impact you know, how we progress through financial crises and you know, what, what, what's the next big monetary agreement that may come forward which, you know, it may be where the U.S. dollar is no longer at the center of international commerce. So a lot, a lot yet to come on that. And, and what do you, uh, when, when you're talking with uh, a small business and your, your, your clients of today, not necessarily small businesses, but small, mid, and uh, maybe some larger businesses, what are some of their um, 
concerns now moving into the financial times that we're looking you know we're looking at uh, very very low interest rates on the on the um, uh, financing level uh, are companies taking advantage of that now I would say some of them aren't really paying attention to it, to be totally honest with you. And, you know, one of the things that, that I struggle with as a small business owner is, is trying to try to get the attention, the financial attention sometimes of small businesses. And, you know, you, you've talked to a million guests that you've had in small business owners. And, you know, so many businesses spend so much time working, you know in their business they're not working on their business your your previous guest was obviously talking about issues you know with transition you know with uh, generational yep. transition of ownership and so forth and and that's just, that's just another one of those things so if you if i talk to somebody about you know fi the financial planning and the financing most of the businesses that i see uh, they tend to be very reactive to finance events, which is they're not really they haven't really laid out a business plan for the year and can predict or, you know, within, you know, with, within a certain reasonable time frame. Hey, I'm going to have a finance event that is going to occur in December of 2020. How am I going to plan for that? And so they tend to be more reactive. Right. And then when they are reactive, they get into more piecemeal financing. So I would say there's probably not as much attention being paid on that right now. Uh, I've heard more small business owners owners talk about uh, looking for qualified employees to do, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, sometimes because of a skill gap and sometimes because uh, they, they can't find employees that will show up for work and, and be consistent. So yep. unfortunately, when we, when we move into the next recessionary environment with, which will succeed, there'll be a, there'll be some financial crisis that'll occur with that. It'll catch many business owners off guard because they've been focused on these other things that they're not adequately prepared for this event. Yeah, that's what I was hoping to get. You know, when when they say you know when there's when there's cheap money available and nobody cares, there's a problem ahead. <laughs> or you know, because yeah. the, the business owners may be more fearful than than thinking about growth, and they may be duck, preparing to duck and cover. You know, I just saw an economist talk that that gave a great speech, and at the end of it, she said, "All of that was my take on this. You guys that work with business owners." You can see if the economy's going to, you know, it going into recession much faster than we do because your business owners are seeing it. So, um, you know, uh, you you gave us a, a great overview on a, what's what some people think is a very complicated, and right now it is a little bit complicated for people because it's new. And Jim, you gave us a, a great overview on that, and I really appreciate the clarity of that. Tell our listeners uh, how they can best get in touch with you if they want to talk about um, any of the issues that we talked about, about financing or about getting to understand uh, Bitcoin or, or blockchain a little bit better. Well, my uh, consulting site is uh, sentinelconsulting.biz. So it's S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L consulting.biz. If you want to look at uh, some of the things that I've written about, both on the fiction and nonfiction side, uh, where I talk a lot about financial and economic matters, uh, that would be on my author site, Jim Mascara dot com j i m m o s q u e r a dot com and i've looked at your your linkedin your website and it's all very interesting stuff i hope our listeners will take advantage of it jim and i look forward to the next time we talk i hope you'll come back and join us again soon hey bill great to be on with you again today thank you for listening to exit coach radio 